morning, everyone. I invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to be focusing our attention on verse 10 this morning. Now, as you can tell, we are coming to the end of our study of 1 Peter. Next Sunday will be our last sermon on this book that we have spent the last nine months in. Uh, and we will be beginning, following next week's sermon, a series on the spiritual disciplines, a series on what we are called spiritual training, how it is that we are to continue to grow in our life in Christ, how we are to grow in godliness. And so I encourage you as you uh, continue to join us in worship, that you would look forward to what is coming each week in our preparing for the Lord's Day. That's sent out each Thursday so that you can be prepared for Sunday morning, looking ahead to all that we will be studying and all that will comprise our worship. So turn, let's turn our attention now to 1 Peter chapter 5. I'll begin in verse 6 and read through verse 11. This is God's holy word for us, His people. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To Him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, we come to Your Word this time and we do pray that in the midst of our exile, You would speak to us a word of comfort through Christ. That You would cause faith to arise in our hearts. And that we would know in the midst of our hardship that You are truly with us. Even now, we pray by Your Word, restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish Your people. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, we do pray. Amen. How long is a little while? In our verses for this morning, the Apostle Peter encourages all suffering Christians saying, and after you have suffered a little while, God will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. But how long is a little while? Does Peter mean that Christian suffering is only going to last a few days or a few weeks? Does a little while mean maybe a year or two? Or does it mean a whole lifetime? Well, the answer is yes. A little while is an indefinite period of time. It could be a short experience of suffering or it could be a whole lifetime. For the entire duration of our exile, our time living in this foreign land, waiting for the coming of Christ 
is a time of conflict. So why does Peter say a little while? If he potentially means your whole life. Is it like me telling April, you know, the session meeting is only going to take a little while. The elders know what I'm talking about. And elders' wives. Or the contractor saying, you know, the organ wall, it'll be done in a little while. Or just vainly raising our hopes like the pilot who says, you know, we should be taking off in a little while, so just be comfortable. Well, no, Peter is not being deceptive. He's not trying to raise our hopes falsely. Rather, he is seeking to communicate to us the relationship between our present suffering and future glory. He's seeking to show that in light of the endlessness of eternity, the 70 or 80 years of hardship that we might encounter here is just a little while. It is minuscule. As C.S. Lewis describes in the conclusion to the Chronicles of Narnia, he says all their life in this world and all their adventures had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Over the last nine months we have gone through First Peter And we have seen that Christians should expect hardship and conflict in this life. But it's just for a little while. This life is merely the cover to an endless volume of glory to come. Yet to us exiles, a little while can seem like an eternity. A little while is all that we know. And therefore, we need more than just the encouragement that the hardships we endure is short in comparison. For it's difficult for us to see beyond the boundaries of the earthly life that we live into the expanse of our future heavenly life. And so Peter gives to us a view of how God is working in the life of every Christian now. He unveils for us all the grace that God is giving to His children during this time of our exile. And what we will see is that we can endure a little while because of God's past, future, and present grace. That is, we can walk through the present hardships because the God of all grace has destined us to an eternal glory. Now, the first thing that we must understand as we live as exiles here on earth for a little while is that all past grace has been given to us from the God of all grace. Look at verse 10. There Peter says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you. And we stop in the middle of his thought there. And we pause to look at this this phrase, who has called you. You see, the word of God is very clear that our exile status, our adoption into the family of God, our calling out of spiritual death into spiritual life is the result of God's grace to us. Our salvation comes from God. As Peter says in chapter 1, all Christians are elect exiles. 
According to the foreknowledge of God, the father, you see, we are exiles. We are in hardship. We are in conflict with this world because God has chosen us to be exiles. He has elected us as exiles or in verse three of chapter one, we read according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. I've had a few experiences with how children are born. I'm going to have another one soon. And the children aren't the ones doing the work. And in our salvation, Peter says it is God who has caused us to be born again. Or as Paul says in Ephesians 1, in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. You see, when Peter uses the term call in verse five, he has in mind a very specific spiritual event. There is an outward call that goes forth through the preaching of the gospel. All who hear the good news of Christ's death upon the cross for sinners, all who hear the message to repent and to believe upon Christ have received an outward calling of God's word. But there is also an inward call that God issues. It is the call that in reformed tradition we call irresistible grace. You see, it is our Heavenly Father who causes a man to be born again. It is the Spirit of God who changes our will and gives us a new heart. It is our union with Christ by which we receive adoption into the family of God. It is God's grace and God's grace only by which you have been called. For whatever grace we receive in the past has not flowed from ourselves, but rather from the God of all grace. It is God who has called us elect exiles. It is God who predestines. It is God who calls. It is God who causes us to be born again. He is the God of all grace. And when you're suffering for a little while, it's easy to begin to doubt this calling. It's easy to begin to think you took a wrong turn on this path of life or that you have deceived yourself. You ask, you know, if I am suffering now, does it mean that I'm not called to be a Christian? Does it mean that I'm not a child of God? For how could a child of God be going through such hardships? And there are charlatans. There are wolves in sheep's clothing out there who would tell you if you are suffering in this life, if you are suffering for a little while, if you're not living your best life now, if you encounter hardship, that you are not living in the will and the grace of God. But Peter says, it is the God of all grace who has called us to this period of exile and hardship. It is God who has called us to this time of struggle. It is His sovereign will to cause you to be born into His family. It was His purposes according to His will that you responded to the message of the Gospel, that it took root in your heart and that it is producing the fruit of the Spirit. And it is His will Listen to this, Christian. It is His will that you suffer for a little while. If you are to take heart in the midst of your suffering, you must know that all past grace from election to calling has come from God alone. For our brief 
hardships are not without purpose. God is the God of all grace, including the grace that has called you to be an elect exile. Now you might be objecting right now though. You might think, this doesn't sound like grace to me. What is this call that you're talking about? The grace of a calling to suffer, a calling to hardship, a calling to take up a cross. But we miss the point of a little while if we don't see it in light of eternity. For Peter says in verse 10, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you, right? The God of all grace who put you in this situation. He has called you. To His eternal glory in Christ. The point isn't hardship. The point isn't suffering. The point is eternal glory. Do you see the parallel in your text there? There is a parallel between these two realities. There is suffering and there is glory. There is a little while and there is eternal God has called us so that we might partake of the eternal glory of Christ. He has called us to eternally taste and see that He is good. He has called us to be fully and eternally blessed through the full enjoyment of God. Little suffering. Eternal glory. And if we are to endure this period of our exile, we must be assured that the grace of glory comes from the God of all grace. That heaven is secure. That the inheritance is guaranteed to the children. But how do we know that? How do we know that after the little while comes the eternal? Well, we know because the text says... It is the God of all grace who has called us to this glory in Christ Jesus. The way that we endure hardship now is because we know all future grace has been guaranteed in Jesus Christ. There is not one of us who deserves the eternal heavenly reward. Quite the opposite. Each of us has earned by our sin eternal hardship, eternal suffering. However... The God of all grace sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to take on our punishment on the cross. To suffer what we deserved. To suffer so that we will be free from the guilt and the punishment of sin. And Jesus also earned for us by His life of righteousness and obedience the grace of heaven. You see, if it were up to our holiness if it were up to our righteousness, then earthly suffering would be a mere prelude to our eternal suffering. But all of those who through faith are joined to Christ, all those who have turned from sin and trust in the sacrifice of Jesus, they have been promised, we have been promised the future grace of eternal glory. It has been pledged by God's Word and it's been guaranteed by the blood of Christ. I don't know if you've noticed this lately, but I've noticed that every time I buy something that is more than $20, I get asked if I want a warranty with it. Now, I tend to avoid buying the warranties because I assume that even 
if I did buy the warranty, there's more of a chance that I would lose the paperwork than the appliance would break. And yet, one time I did give in. I bought the warranty on a laptop computer. I thought, hey, this is a big investment. I probably want the warranty. And the cashier guaranteed that if there was anything wrong with the computer, it would be covered. And as you might have guessed, the computer did have a problem. So I took it back to the store. And wouldn't you know, the problem wasn't covered. The guarantee was conditional. And it was limited. And when we go through a little while of suffering, it's easy to believe that God's promise of future glory comes with a conditional and limited guarantee. We might begin to believe that if we are struggling now, it's a sign of His going back on His promise to us. But our future glory does not come with exceptions. It is secure. And because all future grace that we receive is guaranteed, we can have assurance not because of what we have done, not because of our work, not because of our experience here, but because of the finished work of Christ Jesus. We are not getting eternal glory because of what we have done, but because of what Christ has done. And therefore, we can be assured that though we suffer a little while, we will receive eternal glory. Peter says that our God is the God of all grace. He is the God of all past grace. He is the God of all future grace. And the third thing that we see is that He is the God of all present grace. That is, He is the God who gives us His grace even during this little while that we suffer. Again, verse 10. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ will Himself restore confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Now, grace means undeserved favor, right? It's an unearned gift. And God has given us the gift of faith in Jesus Christ. He has guaranteed to us the gift of eternal glory. Yet, even in the midst of our present hardship, God gives us the grace. He gives us the gift of His strength. Yes, there are struggles in this world. But the struggles of a Christian are not without hope and not without purpose. Rather, we can endure the little while of the struggle. Because in the midst of the struggle, God Himself, the text says, God Himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish us. In the midst of our current struggle, we can endure because God Himself is gently caring for us. As we read a few weeks ago in chapter 4, when we endure hardship for the name of Christ, we are blessed because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon us. What does this mean? Well, first, Peter says that God will restore you. He will put you back together. The suffering of this world is enough to undo us. It's enough to make us come apart, to break us. But the Spirit of God is resting upon His people so that they might be restored in the midst of their suffering 
by His loving care. Second, Peter says that God will confirm you. So often in the midst of hardship, we feel that we've been left by God. That He would not treat a child of His with such harshness. That the promise of His Word is that He will confirm you in the midst of your struggle. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. But rather, He will confirm in your heart that you truly belong to Him. Third, Peter says that God will strengthen you. Much of the struggle that we endure in this world is to show us how desperate we are for the love and care of our Heavenly Father. It's loving discipline. It's designed to humble us that God may exalt us. To weaken us that God might strengthen us. And the God of all grace has promised that as you struggle for a little while, He will give you strength. When you feel like you can go no further in life, there is grace to carry you forward. Even as the Lord promises through the prophet Isaiah, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In the midst of our struggling and our weakness, the God of all grace will strengthen us. And fourth, Peter says God will establish you. That is, He will place you upon a solid footing so that in the day of hardship you will not fail but you will continue steadfast in your faith, firm to the end. You see, Peter does not flippantly speak of the suffering of God's people by saying, you know, it's just a little while. He isn't saying, hey, you know, it's no big deal. He's not saying to us, get over it. You'll only suffer for a little while. There are a lot of people that have suffered a lot more than you. No. He is saying you can endure present hardship because there is present grace to strengthen you. Even as we sung this morning, Father-like, He tends and spares us well our feeble frame He knows. In His hand, He gently bears us, rescues us from all our foes. You see, in this marathon of life, we don't have to wait for the finish line to receive refreshing and rest. Rather, the Lord is caring for us. He is lifting us up for the God of all grace strengthens us along the way. So then, how are we to respond to God's word this morning? Well, just a few points of application. First, Whatever you are struggling with, take heart. It will only last a little while. So take the struggles of this life and place them in light of eternity. Allow the reality of what is to come to help shape the way you feel about what is happening now. When I'm on a treadmill, I like to set the miles to count down so I can see smaller numbers as I get to the end. And it helps me to see that it's going to be over soon. I only have a few minutes left and then I have the rest of the day not to run. (laughs) And I don't mean for you to just merely hold on through this life. But the psalmist does say, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. 
Yes, there is a struggle. But no matter how long it is, it is short in light of eternity. So look at your struggle through the lens of the glory that is to come. Second, in the midst of your struggle, find hope in God's grace and not in your ability to believe. What do I mean by this? When you're in the middle of hardship, when you have physical or emotional pain, when you're mourning a loss, your faith is going to struggle. You will doubt your ability to handle suffering even for a little while. And you will doubt God. So don't find comfort in your decisions. Don't find comfort in your works or even in your ability to believe. Rather, find comfort in the God of all grace. Take comfort in the fact that He chose you prior to you doing anything. He called you to His eternal reward that you did nothing to earn. And it is He that strengthens you in the midst of your weakness. So fight to hope in the God of all grace. Remembering the words of Lamentations 3, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God, for the Lord is my portion. And he says, and I say to my soul, therefore I will hope in Him. Not in myself, I will hope in Him. Hardships will destroy you. So look to the one who will strengthen you. And finally, if you've come here this morning and you are broken, if the struggles of this world have overcome you, turn to God to put you back together. Don't wait to be whole to come to Christ. Come to Him broken. And prayer, come to Him with all your wounds, all your pains, all your disappointments, all of your fears, all of your weaknesses, and know that He will restore you. The word restore in our text originally had the connotation of setting a broken bone. This world has broken all of us. So come to God, the God of all grace, and He will restore you. For He has not come for the well, but for the sick. He has not come for the righteous, but for the repentant. He has not come for the strong, but for the weak. He has not come for the proud, but the humble. He has not come for those who believe they have everything figured out, but for those who see that they are broken and trust the God of all grace. The God of the grace of the past, of the future. God of the grace of the present. And believe that He will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish us all. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go to the God of all grace in prayer. Father, we come to You. And we confess that whether through our own brokenness, our own experiences in this world, we believe that we must present ourselves to You whole, without blemish and without spot for You to receive us. But Your Word is so comforting. 
that You have called us sick sinners to Yourself that You might heal us. And so I pray, Lord, for each who are here. I pray for those who are suffering. For those who are in the midst of loss and sorrow and hardship. That You would strengthen each one of us. And that we would know the glory of the life to come through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's in His name that we do pray. Amen.